Amen. Amazing. Thank you so much, Taryn and Ross. Uh, morning, everyone. It's so great to be able to be here today uh, talking to you. Exciting news. We are starting a brand new series this morning in Acts. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And just to kind of get you up to speed, um, obviously, we're not starting right at the beginning of Acts. So just to get you up to speed with where we're at, at this point, Jesus has died on the cross. He has come back to life. He has appeared to his friends, his followers, and then he has ascended. He's gone back up to heaven. But before he goes back to heaven, he says to his followers, wait and the Holy Spirit will come on you. Uh, This incredible gift of God's presence and his power, that's going to be given to you. And this gift-given moment was called the day of Pentecost. And so what we're going to read is just following just after the day of Pentecost. That was a moment when Jesus' disciples were praying, asking the Holy Spirit to come, and he did. He filled them, and the most amazing thing happened. They all started being filled with the Spirit and speaking in all these different languages that they didn't understand. People in Jerusalem that heard them, heard the gospel spoken in their own language, and 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day and were baptized. And it was basically the start of the church as we know it. So pretty exciting stuff. That's the backdrop to everything we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about what happened immediately after that point. And just before we dive in to the Bible today, I might be stirring up a little bit of controversy here, but I want to make a statement and see how it lands. This right here, Iron Brew 1901, I'm going to say best fizzy drink in the world. Now, I want to gauge in the temperature what people are thinking. There's, there's some nods, some thumbs up, some people are unsure. Oh, oh, well, okay, there's an overwhelming majority would agree with this. Okay, very good. We are in Scotland. So 75% of the room are on board saying this is the best fizzy drink in the world. Interesting. And you know, whether you think it is the best fizzy drink or not, Isn't it amazing? I'm pretty sure this is true that Scotland is the only country in the world where Coke is not the most popular drink. There's a bit of national pride there. It's like, come on, like in your face, Coke. Not that I hate Coke or anything, but it's a great thing. So this is the original recipe version. And if you've been following, if you're a fan of Iron Brew and you've been following the saga, you'll know that this right here that used to be Uh, the original recipe has changed. There's less sugar in it now, okay? And so this original version was brought out in response to that. And then we go even further, and then we've got Iron Brie. Iron Brie? (laughs) It's a cheese thing that they uh, tried to bring out. Iron Brew Extra has no sugar in it whatsoever. And then over here, we've got Iron Brew Energy. And so as you can see, as we're going along, we're getting further and further from what we started with originally. And it gets even more disturbing than that. Do you know Iron Brew? I couldn't bring it along because it's been discontinued, but they brought out their own ice cream that was like a Solero. And the way it was described was uh, Iron Brew flavored ice cream with Iron Brew flavored coating and Iron Brew flavored sauce, which I think is just a bit much. I like Iron Brew, but come on. There was also the Iron Brew bagel that somebody made. There's Iron Brew haggis, which you can buy. And I don't know if anyone's a fun fan of curry out here. If you like a boona, someone has created the Iron Bruna, uh, which you can get. <laughs> I think, you know, at this point, we have moved so far away from it being a soft drink. That's actually not a soft drink anymore. It's an assault on the digestive system. This is not what you want. The Iron Bruna, I don't think, is where it's at. But I want to suggest that when we lose sight of the real thing, what we have to do is we have to go back to the original recipe. We have to go back to the source of where it started. And our picture of what the church 
is, I want to suggest it's been challenged a little bit over the pandemic because we've had to adapt, we've had to pivot, we've had to do church in ways that we've never done before. And we've seen God be so faithful to us as a church in this time. We've seen amazing things happen. So many people have become Christians and we celebrate that. We know that for us as well, many of us, it's been really tough. It's been a really, really tough season in different ways. But as restrictions lift and as there's some movement towards life opening up again for many of us, as we're launching our sites and services, as we've heard about this morning, we're able to do more. I think it's a great moment to pause and to ask the question, what is the church? What, what does it look like? What was the original recipe that God intended? What are the core ingredients that make it what it is? And so we're going to read about that in Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 to 47. So it says they, and when it says they, what we're talking about is those 3,000 believers in the day of Pentecost that came to know Jesus. So they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. That is an amazing picture of that original recipe of what God intended the church to be. I absolutely love that. So we're going to look at two ingredients, if you like, that are part of this original recipe. And the first one is this, the direction of their devotion. So the church's first ingredient is the direction of the devotion of its people. So at the end of pretty much every school year, we'll have a beach party at youth where we just basically hang out at the beach, have some fun, play some games. It's always a laugh. It's always a great way to round up the end of the year. And I remember I was meeting with one of the leaders, uh, Ben, and we were planning this year's party. This was a couple of years ago. And we were just like, we've got, you know, what can we do to make it like the best one ever? Like, what could we do? And we were just thinking about it. And we were just, we just basically threw the kitchen sink at it. We were like, we can just get a massive sound system. Someone in the church was like, you can borrow my generator so you've got power. We did like fire pits, barbecue, s'mores, volleyball, football, just anything we could think of. It's just like, let's just do it. We've got a massive paddling pool and filled it full of water. And just, it was a laugh. It was brilliant. We thought this is going to be fantastic. And as we're planning, discussing, we're getting really, really excited. Then we say, shall we go to the spot where we, where we normally hang out and just, you know, just like scout it out and just kind of see what it's going to look like. And we're like, no, it'll be fine. We go there every year. Like, what's the point in doing that? And so the day arrives and we turn up at the beach. We've got loads and loads of kit with us. There's a lot of hype in the air. Like all the youth are excited. Loads of people bringing their friends. This is going to be the best one yet. And so we're bringing all the kit from the car park, lugging it across the beach. And something just feels a little bit different. I can't put my finger on it, but the, the river Don at the Don mouth where it goes into the sea, just it feels a bit different. It's like something shifted a little bit. I can't quite figure it out. We turn the corner to the spot where we always have our beach party, brilliant open space. 
and something's happened that I wasn't expecting. In 10 years of me living in Aberdeen, the River Don has just went straight to the sea, no questions asked, but for some reason on this day, what's happened is the river has diverted its course right into the spot where we're going. It is just completely underwater. Youth are arriving in like 30 minutes, nothing is set up and it's like, what do we do? Our entire beach party <laughs> is underwater, total disaster. You know, I'd, I'd assumed that the river's path was fixed when actually it had altered course without me realizing. The first ingredient that we're talking about today that goes into the church is the talking about the devotion of these early believers. And just as I've been praying about speaking this morning, the image that I had in my head of, of, of that represents this devotion was just a river flowing in a particular direction. And for those early believers who've, you know, been Christians for literally five minutes, I'm so challenged by the devotion that they display here. You know, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, like straight off the bat. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, praising God. What does it mean when you devote yourself to something or someone you know, that's where your, your time, your energy, your attention, your affection, all of it is directed in one place. There's a single-mindedness. There's an intentional focus. And they just show this incredible devotion. And it's not because they've built up years of experience of being a Christian and loads of maturity. Really simply, they've encountered Jesus. They've met Jesus. They've seen who he is, how amazing he is, and all their devotion is pointed towards him. The flow of their lives, their actions are orientated towards Jesus. And I just want to pause just for a moment and ask ourselves the question, what's the direction of my devotion? What is that, that picture of the river in my life? What does it look like for me? Where is it flowing? Because like the river at the beach that had altered course, I feel that sometimes our devotion towards Jesus can do the same if we're not careful. You know, maybe it starts off in the right directions and we have, you know, the right intentions. We can assume that things are okay. But in time, before we know it, we're pointing somewhere else. We've changed direction. And maybe you can relate to this, but sometimes for myself, I feel like it's like the river is splitting off into loads of different directions. You know, I love Jesus. I want to serve him. But there are so many voices competing for my attention. And when I'm being honest, sometimes that means, you know, just wasting time sitting on a device, scrolling, or, you know, trying to find another series to watch. There are so many things in our lives that could be massive time wasters and distractions. But outside of that, you know, there's the responsibilities and the pressures of everyday life. And that can be a lot. That can be really demanding. That can really be something that just takes our time. It can be really overwhelming to think, well, God, how can I be a good parent? How can I be a good spouse? How can I be a good employee? How can I be a good friend? How can I be a good citizen who remembers to take the bin out on the right day? How can I hold all of these things in tension and still give you the time that you deserve. It can feel like we're totally spinning plates and you know, where's the time for Jesus? And you think, well, it's easy enough for these early Christians. They don't live in 2021. They don't know what it's like to be me right now. Is this even possible, God, what we're living, what we're reading, to live in that way? 
And it's almost like the, this, this river of devotion that should be rushing in one direction, it just spreads out until it's this little trickle. And we can just be like, oh God, why do I feel dry? Why do I feel distant in my relationship with you? Could it be that our devotion is not in the right direction? There are so many legitimate worries that you know, I've listed that can take our attention and other things as well. But the amazing thing is that Jesus speaks directly into that scenario. In Matthew 6, he says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is the bit. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so where we get stressed about the demands of life and where our attention is being pulled and we're trying to kind of spread ourselves thin, it's actually, we shouldn't be doing that. It's upside down in the kingdom of God. He says, no, no, don't do that. You seek me first. You make me the priority. And when we do that, and when our lives and devotion is pointed to him, the rest will be given to us as well. Those things will be taken care of because God knows what we need. He longs for our devotion. He longs for our affection because he loves us so much. And when we choose to do that, to direct our focus and our devotion to him, we flourish. I believe actually for some people, you know, talking about this, this whole area of devotion to Jesus, I feel like as you're, as you're listening to this today, it's like there's, there's almost like a dam blocking the river from the right path. And maybe that's been formed by little decisions that we've made, you know, little compromises bit by bit by bit. That dam has been put in place. Or maybe a dam has been formed because things have happened to us, circumstances out of our control have happened to us. And I really believe that for some people who are listening to this day, this really rings true, this idea of like, there's something that's just kind of getting in the way of me giving that devotion to Jesus. And that for you, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe for you, that dam represents watching porn. Maybe for, for you, it's, it's just an unhealthy compulsion, almost an addiction to social media, just needing to be on it all the time. Maybe for some of us, we're so worried about how other people perceive us that actually it's crippling. Maybe we're in a relationship that we know isn't right, we know isn't honoring to God, but we just can't seem to walk away from it. Maybe it's a love of money and possessions and chasing security and that. Maybe it's, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness where we've been wronged and it's just like, no, I can't walk away from that. Maybe it's fear of control. If, maybe it's fear of losing control if we go all in after God. You know, for some of us, we know that our attention and devotion is being pulled from Jesus onto the wrong things. And when that happens, it's like we live in that desert place. It's like that water that should be pointed to Jesus and, you know, giving us life is just not going where it needs to be. And the thing that I've been challenged about as I've been thinking and praying about this is that my devotion, what I can give is, is finite, it's limited, it's not... I can't just give to all these things and then give to Jesus as well. It doesn't work like that. There's only so much to go around. So the question I'm wrestling with is, God, where is my devotion directed? Is it fully on you, Jesus? Or am I wasting it on things that aren't you? And if that's the case, we just need to say, God, would you forgive me? Would you help me in that? 
Jesus, I need you. I choose you. I choose to redirect the devotion in my life to you. And actually, maybe for some of us, we need to say, God, I need you to, to break that dam down in my life. Maybe, maybe that's something that Jesus will do immediately. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, God, forgive me for that. I walk away from it and he, and he breaks that down. Maybe there's a longer process of day by day, bit by bit, together with Jesus, we're removing things from our lives that we know shouldn't be there. But either way, Jesus can bring that freedom and that life, that devotion can flow to where it needs to be. So that's the first thing that we see from these guys in the early church. That devotion is pointed to Jesus. The second thing is the cost of their giving. Now, I'm going I'm to appeal to the room again. So who loves a bargain in here? Is there? Yes. A room full of bargain hunters. Again, oh no, 100%. There we go. I love it. <laughs> so I am totally a bargain hunter. Like if I buy anything online, you go to the online checkout and there's that wee box that says discount code. I'm like challenge accepted. And I will waste a lot of time trying to find anything like 1% off. I'll take it. But I remember some of my finest, finest work in getting uh, bargains is the reduced section of the supermarket. I remember getting, you know, those little Indian meals you get. It's like a meal for two and you get a naan and a bhaji and rice and curry and all the rest of it. One of those 76p guys. Wow. That was that was a great night. Iron I, I, yeah, it wasn't Iron Bruna, gutted, but <laughs> almost as good. So that was amazing. But probably my best one. I, I love this. So this is this is for 10p, right? 10p. I got this. Two panel chocolates, five Danish swirls, three pecan plats, four vanilla crowns, three cheese twists and a partridge in a pear tree. No, but I got all of that stuff for 10 flipping P. I'm sure that someone in Asda's bakery was fired that day because they just made a massive error. But it was amazing. It was this massive bag of stuff. I was like, yes, please. It's so, so good. And I get, it's a bit sad, but I get really excited about that kind of thing. Uh, maybe I'm not the only one, but when we see something of incredible value, we don't count the cost, do we? You know, I didn't walk away from that pastry thing and was like, oh, I lost my 10 peach. You know what I mean? It's like, of course not, because it's like, look what you got in return. And I think the second ingredient in this original recipe for the church of God is we see that these believers were willing to pay a high cost. Mm -hmm. Verse 44 says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We can read those words and maybe just let them float over our heads a little bit. But let's just pause a minute and read that again. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's no small thing that they sold their possessions as and when someone was in need. There was no, you know, I'd love to help, but I really don't have any spare cash right now, which, you know, would seem reasonable. There's none of that. It was actually, well, if I sell my house, if I sell my land, if I pawn in this like family heirloom, then, you know, I could help that person. I could give to that person who's in need, which is, is remarkable. And, you know, the implication from what we read isn't that the apostles like were forcing people to do this. It wasn't like you become a Christian. So now what you need to do is go and sell all your stuff. Actually, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to come from them at all. It's really just these believers just saw need and they just responded out of love and generosity and said, I can do that. I can meet 
that need, which is amazing. And doesn't that just go against, you know, largely the grain of our society where so much is geared towards accumulating stuff and, and often just turning a bit of a blind eye towards the need around us? And I'm sure that the majority of us at some point or, or another have believed this narrative. You know, if I get this thing, if I buy this, whatever it is, new phone or, or whatever, it will make me significantly happier and content. I'm sure that we've all in some sense believed that at some point or another. But we also know the truth that that's a never-ending pursuit. We know we can never get enough stuff. And here we see the church is doing the opposite. They're releasing their grip on their possessions, not to bless themselves or to get favor with anyone, but just to bless other people. What are the needs that we see around us and how could we respond? You know, for the early church, it's not just given their finances and possessions. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day they met together, they opened their homes and ate together. They opened their lives to one another. And again, we can read this quickly and miss it, but there is a cost to this. Every day meeting together, saying, my home is your home, my table is your table. And that's such a beautiful picture of unity and generosity in those words. But I've got to be honest, it really challenges me you know, maybe this is just the raging introvert speaking inside me, but opening your home to people every day, sharing all those meals, you know, it sounds nice, but wouldn't it just be exhausting? I mean, is this even reality? Like if I was to insert myself into these verses, it would some, it'd be something like this. Every day they broke bread in Dave's house and every day he grew slightly more passive aggressive and the portion sizes got smaller and smaller, <laughs> just trying to like edge people out of the door. I think I would really struggle with that. I'd be like, I need my space. But actually it doesn't say that, does it? It says the believers were together, had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you know what? There is a cost to community, but man, look at the reward. There's just this sense of we are together. There's no fakeness. There's no, you know, not putting on a show and they're just open-handed. It's amazing. They were all on the same page and all serving Jesus sacrificially. And it's this community of like complete randomers. It's like 3,000 random people who all they've got in common is that they've just become Christians. It should be a disaster on paper, but it's amazing. I was talking to one of my mates about this um, this week, and one of the things he said was coming out of the pandemic, there are going to be so many lonely people who just need someone to give them some of their time. How is God calling each one of us to respond to the need that we see around us? In 2009, uh, the singer Lily Allen um, was asked if she would stream a gig online. Um, and if she said yes, she would get paid 200,000 Bitcoin. Uh, she'd never heard of it. It was 2009. W what even is that? So she said no. Um, and if she'd said yes, today she'd be worth $9.2 billion, <laughs> which is just mad. And oddly enough, she regrets that decision. She missed out big time. You have know, already said there is a cost to community. There is a cost to being sacrificial in this way. But I wonder if what God is saying to us today is, you have no idea what you're missing out on if you don't do it. The easier route, the less costly, costly route is to be self-sufficient, 
is to almost just be like a bit of an island and just do our own thing, be in our bubble. But following Jesus means more than that. Any sacrifice that we give, we're never left wanting. Mike Pilavachi, who's an amazing pastor and teacher and a friend of our church, he, he puts it like this. When it comes to Jesus, we give him all of ourselves and he gives us all of himself. It is an amazing deal. It is an incredible deal. It's costly, there's sacrifice, but we get so much in return. So we have to ask ourselves the question today, God, what's the cost I'm willing to pay? Have I, have I set a limit on, on what I'll give? And I'm not just talking like financially, but just in every sense. Are we living lives that are sacrificial? What would it look like for us to really take hold of this? What would it look like if everyone in our connect group wanted to be the kind of community that we read about in these verses? What would it look like if our whole site did that or our whole church did that? And we can go bigger and bigger, but, but we know that it starts with us. It starts with us as individuals. And so the original recipe of God's church is this people who've directed their devotion to him and they're willing to live sacrificially, whatever the cost. We're just gonna take a minute um, just, to, just to pray, just to ask the Lord to come um, we've been you know, talking a bit about how he came at Pentecost and the amazing stuff that happened there. And we don't believe that that was just for that moment. We believe the Holy Spirit um, can and wants to meet with us um, in amazing ways today. And so what we want to do is just, just hit pause and ask God to come. And so wherever you are right now, however you're watching this, just encourage you just to take this moment and just ask God, God, is there anything that you want to say to me? anything that you want to impress upon me this morning. So we'll just wait. Come, Holy Spirit, and wait on you. feel like there's a, a couple of things that God might be might be highlighting. Um, just that image of the the dam that we were talking about earlier and just maybe that that's where you're at this morning that you know that there's there are things in your life that are that are almost acting like blockages with with your relationship with God and there's there's an invitation from from God today to to do something about that just to be real about that. And so a great first step is just to, just to say to, to Jesus, Jesus, I, d I don't want to live like that anymore. This thing, whatever it is, I want to surrender that to you. Lord, would you break down those walls? And we just pray that right now, Holy Spirit, for any area of our lives where it just feels like, you know what? My devotion is not in the right direction. Or would you break down those barriers? And I ask God, as you begin to do that, that you would pour in your, your approval, your love, your courage over your children, God. That they would know your smile, Lord. They would know your well done as you, as, as you choose to give that over to, to God. That you would know that it is well done.
and just for yeah if, if you've done that as well i just really want to encourage you to connect with someone um uh, someone who's walking with the lord who you know and trust maybe a site pastor a connect group leader just someone you know and just and just to share that just be like do you know what god's highlighted this thing um and i want to be real about that i want to walk that journey with you as well i think that would be a great thing to do and there's some people watching this morning and maybe you when we're talking about this this river of devotion to Jesus and you have this sense of what life with Jesus could look like, you, something that in that sparks you and you're like, yes, I do want that. But you're, you're not a follower of Jesus or you don't know if you are. Today is as good a day as any. Today is a fantastic day to say, do you know what, Jesus? I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to say yes to you. So if that's you and you feel ready to do that, I'm just going to pray a prayer and I want to encourage you just to repeat it. Um, you can repeat it out loud if you like or, or in your heart, whatever, whatever you prefer. But I'm just going to pray. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus this morning, we'd love you to do that. So Jesus, thank you for who you are. Jesus, you are amazing. Thank you for the love that you have for me. And right now, God, I want to surrender everything to you. I want to say sorry for the things in my life, for the, the sin, the choices that I've made that have been a barrier between me and you. I can't get rid of those things, Jesus, but I know that you can. And so I say sorry and I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to come. Fill me with your spirit. Would you help me to live my life with you and for you? Amen.